You're listening to the Third Cup of Coffee podcast. Good day, everybody. This is Randy Bolander on the Third Cup of Coffee podcast. It is May 20th, 2020. That would make it 5 20 20 20. I don't know what the significance of this, that is at all, but but it struck me as interesting when I looked at the calendar. 5 20 20 20. Great day. We are uh, putting together the podcast today, then I'm going to take a little field trip with my kids. I have to tell you up front that uh, in putting together the podcast today, and here I am, let's see, uh, less than a minute into it, every piece of equipment that I use to put this podcast together has already failed me once. And there aren't that many pieces of equipment. I know what you're imagining, which is a massive studio, but actually I, I produce the whole thing on my phone, and I have notes on my iPad, and I have a microphone on a boom. Every piece has gone squirrely. And uh, the one piece that is bothering me the most right now is that the microphone refuses to stay in its spot. So while you're listening to me here, while you're envisioning me, uh, just picture the microphone every 10 seconds dropping about an inch. And I, I debate, do I lift it up or do I just lower my head? And, and uh, now I'm actually lying flat on the floor and the microphone is laying beside me. But that's the best way to, to make sure that it doesn't move. Now, I'm not really laying on the floor, but just wanted to give you a visual of the difficulty that I am producing this podcast with, but we will persevere. Going to have a fun day taking a little field trip today, taking my kids down south of town about 20 minutes to a friend's facility. They've got kind of an amphitheater built into a hillside in the woods. It's really beautiful. And uh, we're going to do a walk around in preparation for a worship service we're going to do on Pentecost Sunday, May 31st, which isn't that far out, actually. Uh, We are doing it there because it's outside and it seems safe. And we do not have a large group, just a little small group of friends. Um, But we want to get together and worship together. We have been meeting on Zoom. And uh, there are some things you can do on Zoom and some things you can't. One thing you cannot do very well is corporate worship just doesn't work very well. And so we want to sing, we want to lift our voices, and it's not a good idea to do it in a building, in my opinion, but I don't feel too bad about going out in the woods and uh, spreading out a little bit. It'll, it'll be done safely, be done within the confines of the law, be a lot of fun. Uh, Walese and Rachel Fa'agutu are going to lead worship for us. If you do not know them, you are missing on a treasure. They are so much fun, fantastic worship leaders. Walese is hilarious. Uh, if you ever see him, ask him about the goat barbecue. He has a great goat barbecue story um, that that I'll just leave it at that. It's a good story. Looking forward to spending some time out there with them. So I'm taking my kids out to go do a walkthrough and frankly, just to get them out of the house a little bit, go running around. Today's podcast defies categorization. Now I understand that that is pretty much typical for every one of these podcasts. Uh, the content for the podcast is essentially what I'm thinking about when it's time to do the podcast. That's kind of how it doesn't, not to say I don't put any prep into it, but I haven't really locked down into a format. As you know, sometimes I teach and there's a lot of scripture. Other times it's storytelling. Um, and I'm really not sure what you're here for, to be quite say, to be quite fair. Uh, something that might help me is in Apple Podcasts or in Spotify, you can leave a review. And if you would let me know what parts of this you really enjoy or be brutally honest and what parts of it you don't think works very well, that would help me uh, develop this. I don't want to make a sandwich that nobody ordered. 
And so if you could help me with a podcast review, that would be golden. Today, again, is a little different. Today's conversation is a little bit dangerous talk. It's the kind of talk you have with your friends after you hang the trash bags on the windows and turn the lights really low and then sweep the room for bugs. Some of what I get to say today is going to sound a little crazy to some of you. Others, it will resonate with. And that's okay. Some of the craziest people I've listened to have proven to be right over time. Others, I still think are crazy. But we're in a crazy season right now, and every day seems like a new level of, wow, I didn't think that would happen. And if you had been listening to people you thought were crazy six months ago, you might have been better prepared for today. Change is the order of the day. It's the world that we live in, and some of it's going to be driven and forced. Some of it will evolve as we learn how to navigate a post-COVID-19 world, which I think is still a little ways away. But change will take place among those who remain. Imagine all of this, all of the change, all of the thing that's being forced upon us, all of the difficulty. Imagine it, if you would, as a rebuke of sorts. doesn't matter where you think it's coming from. Just think of it as a blow to our ego, to our behavior, to what we thought is normal. Imagine someone took a softball bat to your concept of normal. Proverbs 29.1 says, Whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. In other words, when everything's getting beat up around you, maybe it's a good idea to say, what can we learn? And I have great hope that what we learn through this will lead to what God's best is for us on the other end. You know, Psalm 40 was written from a real position of discomfort and stress. David was in a pit, in the mire, in the muck, and the Lord delivered him. And David wrote, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. We're in a pit right now, but deliverance is coming. If we can find our song in the days to come, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. But what does that look like? This morning, I want to talk a little bit about what I see for the church coming down the pike, some of the unusual changes that I believe are going to take place. But before I get there, let me just explain why I think these are so drastic, because I'm going to say some things and you're going to think, how could that ever happen? We are in unique times and we are facing pressure from four powerful realities. I mean, we're getting pressed on four sides and two of these four have never been seen in our lifetime. First of all, obviously, a global pandemic. I was looking at the stats last night of how many deaths around the world, and I actually wrote some numbers down. I'm not going to give you the numbers because they're changing on a daily basis. But one number I did find interesting that of the deaths around the world, one in three happened in the United States. That's a lot. So we're facing this global pandemic that we've never known anything like it before. We're also facing social and governmental restrictions like we have never faced before. Just what you have to go through right now to get a barbecue sandwich in this town. Had you told me 12 weeks ago that that's what you had to do, I would have thought you were crazy. And you would have been crazy, but you would have been right. A couple of weeks ago, it was my son's birthday, and he wanted Casey Joe's because we live in Kansas City, and that's what you do on your birthday. If you're not from a local area here, Casey Joe's is great barbecue. They are always busy. And if you're going to have lunch there Monday through Friday, figure around two hours because the line is that long. It's just nuts. 
Well, obviously, they're not seating people in the dining room anymore. You have to order uh, via phone and then go pick it up from your car. But I kept calling and calling, and I couldn't get through because they've only got four lines, and there are always at least four people who want KC barbecue. So I couldn't get my order in. So I just thought, well, if I drive over there, surely they'll sell me a sandwich. So I drive over, and they say, yes, I can order on site, but I have to go stand in line six feet away from the guy ahead of me, and the whole line is outside. Nobody's inside. They only let one person go in at a time. Now, keep in mind, this is a restaurant I have never seen not full. But when my time is to go in and order, I'm the only person in the restaurant, me and the guy behind the counter, who is behind what looks like a half-inch sheet of plexiglass. I don't know if I'm standing in KC Joe's or I'm standing at a 7-Eleven in a rough neighborhood. I mean, that's the feel you get just trying to get your barbecue sandwich. So I order, and I go to pull out my debit card, and he just waves me off, and he said, you can't hand it to me. Just tell me the number. And again, he's behind plexiglass, so we're speaking loudly, and I find myself standing in an empty KC Joe's dining room, yelling my debit card at the top of my lungs. And I thought, how did we get here? Like, this is crazy. The pressure put on is not only by the pandemic, it's by social and governmental restrictions that lead to these kinds of things, lead to things like churches, only meetings, groups of like less than 10. These are pressures that we did not see coming. Third pressure would be economic distress. Most of us have not given enough thought to the long-term economic stress that this is causing on our nation. The first week after most of the nation went into lockdown, we set a record for new unemployment applications. The record was 3 million. Now, that sounds like a lot, but if you don't know what the record was before, you don't know how much it really is. In fact, it's been 3 million week after week after week for eight weeks. You know what the record was before? 600,000. It went from 600,000 to 3 million and stayed at 3 million every week for eight weeks until last week when it dropped to 2.98 million, if that's called dropping. We broke the previous record by a factor of five and we did it eight weeks in a row. That's like Michael Jordan scoring 40 points in one game and then going out and scoring 200 points for the next eight games. It also means that the job gains of the last 10 years have been erased. And the retail market is gone. Restaurants are reporting 50% sales on good days. Clothing stores, according to federal numbers that I read yesterday, are down 90% in sales. So we are facing pressure from a real pandemic, social and governmental restrictions, economic distress, but probably the greatest pressure we're all facing is fear. Fear if we're going to get sick, fear for our loved ones, fear for our own economics, fear of what is effective, what's not. Masks were told, we were told were not effective, now they're mandated. Gloves were effective, now they're not. And the same people that are telling us all these things are telling us, hold tight, I'm working on a vaccine. And when the vaccine arrives, if you think that, that fear is going to be alleviated, you have not listened to anybody argue about vaccines. Fear was the last thing to arrive in this equation, and it will be with us for a good long time. Imagine down the road. Grandpa and Grandma have five adult children. Those five adult children have all married. Some of them have vaccinated their children against COVID-19. Some have chosen not to because they're logically afraid of it. There's a family reunion. Grandma gets sick. Fear, anger, hostility, 
is going to be a part of our lives surrounding this issue in this pandemic long after the actual crisis is over. So in all of that context, okay, these four pressure areas, the pandemic, the economics, the societal and governmental change, the fear, in all of that, let's talk about church for a little bit. In this four-way pressure cooker, kind of two camps are forming, okay? There are those that see this as a watershed moment for the church. The church can see significant change. Andy Crouch of Praxis wrote, The priority of leaders must be now to set aside their confidence in their current playbook and as quickly as possible write a new one that honors their mission and the communities that they serve. There are those, and I think they're the majority, who believe that we're only going back to normal in a few weeks. They think very differently than Andy Crouch. They think soon this is all going to blow over. The belief that the church is going to snap back into business as usual, that idea, I don't think it survives another six months. Even though a lot of people are thinking that way. Just because a lot of people think something doesn't make it true. Remember years ago, flat earthers were considered the mainstream. Then in September 1519, the Victory sailed west from Spain with several other ships and 260 crewmen, all led by Ferdinand Magellan. Three years later, the ship returns. All the other ships were wrecked. Magellan and 241 of his crew members were dead. But the 18 that remained had sailed to the west and returned from the east. And from that moment, the Flat Earth crew was put on notice. They could hold to their belief, but they needed to suspend things like science and logic to do it. The more we learned the more evidence stacked up against them. Why am I telling you this story? Because those who think the church is going back to normal as we have known it for the past few hundred years are the clerical equivalent of flat earthers. They believe it, and they believe it wholeheartedly, but they only believe it because they can't imagine it any differently. But for those who saw the ship sail west and return from the east, it is clear that life has changed, and life is changing in the world of the church. So what I want to give you are really quickly Randy's fearless predictions about the church. Now, why are they fearless? Is it because I'm all that bold? It's no, because I could be wrong. I mean, I just, I'm admitting I could be wrong, but this is how I'm thinking about things. Randy's fearless predictions about the church. Number one, the big meeting is dead. The idea that we will all cram together to capacity in buildings I just don't see it. And you could say, oh, no, no, it's going to be totally safe. And you know, you may be right. And I may be crazy. But that doesn't mean people will crowd elbow to elbow at the first opportunity. Some of you are thinking, no, 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 no. My friends really, they would all crowd back to church if we were allowed. They want to. Yes, but what people want to do and what they'll actually do are different things. Neither the panic-stricken voices that say danger, danger, or the angry mob that wants to gather tomorrow represent most people. They just represent the loudest people on Facebook. Now, for those that are replicating the big meeting via video, and they are streaming what appears to be a kind of a normal service because that's what people are going to expect, that's a little weird to me. We are reaching into people's living rooms and acting like we are in their living rooms, would make them more comfortable. I just don't see the large Sunday morning gathering as being the focal point 
of church life for a good long time. I don't mean for the next 90 days. I mean beyond that. I think it's going to be a while before people feel comfortable doing that. And maybe it's time we looked elsewhere for life. Yes, I love to worship. I love to gather together. I love to teach in that setting, and I love to learn in that setting, and I am for that entirely. I just don't know that our society is going to want to sit elbow to elbow with strangers for a good long time. So my first prediction is the big meeting is dead, at least for a while. My second prediction, going forward, short people will rule the world. Now, by short people, I mean those who present in short little chunks of time. There will always be a format for long-form teaching, 30, 40, 50, an hour lecture. But it can't be our only offering or we are ruling out most people. I was reading a study a couple of days ago. In 2000, the average adult had an attention span of 12 seconds, which seems pretty quick. In 2020, the average adult has the attention span of eight seconds. That's how long that we present. And if we're not holding them in a large meeting and forcing them to pay attention, we are reaching out to them as guests on their phone or on their computer. The 40 or 50 minute lecture probably is a thing of the past. Prezi, the folks that make uh, the presentation software, worked with a consulting firm called Kelton Research to study and gauge effectiveness of content and presentations to better understand just kind of how long people would pay attention. Their findings are really interesting. They suggest that our ability to maintain our focus on content is actually getting better, meaning we pay attention in shorter bursts, but we're getting very selective at what we watch and what we don't watch or what we listen to and what we don't listen to. And while it might seem like chaos to those that are used to long-form presentations, we are actually maintaining a laser focus just for a shorter amount of time. Those who are able to communicate quickly and with quality will do well in this new world. They will make multiple contacts with people that are relational more than transactional, and they will move us to more of a biblical, one-person discipling a group who in turn are making disciples. The crisis will drive us to something that our conviction never could get us to. So I believe the big meeting's dead, that going forward, short people will rule the world. I also believe we're going to see what I call porous organizational walls. Now, the next couple of minutes are going to make pastors nervous. Uh, you may want to loosen your tie. Uh, you may want to sit, take a sip of water, breathe deeply into a bag. But this is what I think is going to happen. Rather than a diehard allegiance to a congregation or to a ministry, I believe people are going to have multiple associations and they're going to connect with multiple ministries. There are a couple of different ways of looking at how people connect with their ministry. Of course, there's what I call contractual affiliation, like formal membership, something more old-line denominations do, where they take pledges as who will give year after year. They have a role of members. Then there's relational affiliation, where people say, well, yeah, I belong there, but belonging there is not something formal on paper. Uh, it's just that that's your church. I remember talking with uh, someone 
from a non-denominational church. And I had a question. I said, how do people make decisions if they're not members, if they don't get to vote? And they, they said, are you kidding? People vote every week with their butt. Wherever they put their butt, that's their yes. And so by attending, they're voting yes to the direction of the church. I think we're moving even beyond that idea of a loose affiliation to pan-affiliation, where people draw from their worship, their teaching, different places, and it will drive pastors crazy. Why? Because it's easier to plan and build when you know what the budget's going to be. At first glance, we may think this idea of connecting with multiple different ministries would be ultimately unhealthy and not good for the church. I actually think it's great for the kingdom. We probably could stand to be a little less congregation-centered and more kingdom-centered. It could be argued that we've had more allegiance to our congregations than we have to the kingdom because we hired congregational CEOs rather than kingdom-minded ministers. Pastors, if your people are drawing from multiple sources and are growing, what was it you were trying to do? Were you trying to see them grow or were you trying to control them? And I've heard this, and I probably even have said it over the years. Yeah, but those people that connect five different places, who's going to do their funeral? You know, that's a one-time problem. And it's not even really your problem. It's somebody else's problem. I really believe we're going to see multiple affiliations with multiple organizations, and we might be healthier for it if it forces us to think in a kingdom mindset. Another thing that I believe we're going to see is the idea of uh, organic discipleship. Now, this almost sounds like something you can't argue with, but it is very different than what we've known. Much of the activity of the conventional church in the past decades involve what I call saints attainment. That's when a pastor looks out at the people, and rather than asking what do they need, he asks what would they like. And he might be motivated by fear or by security or even out of the best intentions. It's done under the idea of serving the needs of the body. And in serving the perceived needs of the body, sometimes real needs do get met. Sometimes you do host a church cooking class and people come to the cooking class and get to know one another and have relationships and come to the Lord. And it can be beautiful, but sometimes, a lot of times, they don't. That's why people can attend a church for years that caters to their needs or their perceived needs and years later say, I don't know anybody. And largely these ideas of meeting people's needs, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just not the main thing. And if we can only do the main thing, only do one thing, let's make sure it's the main thing. The main thing is not the comfort of the crowd or even the crowd activity. It is the growth of individuals. I believe that as people have multiple connects with multiple ministries, that discipleship will begin to look more organic and begin to be more one-on-one -on -one encouraging each other in the faith than it has been formal programs. Now, I know many people are absolutely sold on their specific discipleship program. We have a 201 class and a 301 class and a 401 class, and you come out with a 501, and it's like, what, what, what? I, I think those things are good, but let's be honest. Those programs were built because what was supposed to happen naturally did not occur, which is saints encouraging one another 
and building each other up in the faith. I think we're going to see more of it from an organic standpoint. Finally, the last thing I believe is coming to the church is a reawakening to corporate prayer. A reawakening to corporate prayer. I think the idea of prayer in general has been diluted to um, kind of a high-grade level of meditation. Nobody argues with prayer. Everybody thinks it's a good idea. Thoughts and prayers. Hashtag of a lifetime. But when it comes to actually connecting with God, a lot of people struggle to do it on their own. But there's going to be a great hunger coming out of this to connect with something bigger than yourself. And there's going to be a draw to prayer. And I believe that in corporate prayer, we actually disciple one another in the prayer movement in a powerful way. Some of you, the idea of standing before a group and praying, you would rather jump out of a plane with a parachute that had a 50-50 chance of opening. You're like, I just can't do that. I want to pray, but I can't. I don't know how to do that. How do you learn? You hang out with people who pray. You hear them pray. You adopt their language. And you begin to speak out of your heart, and their words become your words. You say, isn't that parroting things? Not when you really feel them. You ever sing a song that moved your heart, but you didn't write the song? Sometimes we join others in prayer until their prayers become ours. And I think if a prayer movement is going to go forward on the earth, it's going to happen in the corporate setting. And some of these prayers will be high-wire prayers. As the pressures of the earth increase, they're not going to decrease. They might change, but they're going to increase. Lines are going to be drawn as to exactly who we are praying to. And we will call out to our God, and others will call out to their gods, and he will answer. I really think the best of the church lies ahead of us. It is the pattern of history for the people of God to find miraculous deliverance in really unexpected ways. Some of those ways are going to be more foreign to us than it was for the flat earthers to realize that Magellan's ship came back from the other direction. But if we embrace them, it's a whole new world. I hope you have a fantastic week. I hope to hear from you. Shoot me an email, rbolender at gmail.com. Let me know where you're listening from. Let me know what you like, what you could do without. Have a great day.